you for the praises that were offered tonight. We thank you for working in our lives. We thank you for protecting us and keeping things away from us until it's time. Lord, we're thankful that your grace is always there when we need it. And we're thankful that you're working in our lives even when circumstances seem difficult. In your name we pray. Amen. Oh, there we go. I knew something was weird there. I put my glasses on and found out it was Exodus 28. I was trying to figure out, well, what do those verses have to do with what we're dealing with tonight? Genesis 28, verse 10. And Jacob went out from Beersheba and went toward Haran, and he lighted upon a certain place and tarried there all night because the sun was set. And he took of the stones of that place and put them for his pillows and lay down in that place to sleep. And he dreamed, and behold, a ladder set on the earth, and the top of it reached to heaven. And behold, the angels of God ascending and descending upon it. And behold, the Lord stood above it and said, I am the Lord God of Abraham, thy father, and the God of Isaac. The land whereon thou liest to thee will I give it, and to thy seed. And thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west. That is way too much there, guys. Excuse me. I'm sorry. Let's uh, get back to verse 14. And thy, shall, and thy seed shall be as the dust of the earth, and thou shalt spread abroad to the west, and to the east, and to the north, and to the south. And in thee and in thy seed shall all the families of the earth be blessed. And behold, I am with thee, and will keep thee in all the places whither thou goest, and will bring thee again into this land, for I will not leave thee until I have done that which I have spoken to thee of. And so here is Jacob leaving home. And uh, we have a tendency to think that uh, Jacob was a young man. He was unmarried at this point. He was uh, in the process of trying to find a wife, how many people know how old Jacob was at this time? He was almost 70. Uh, he was, you, you add everything up here, he was in his late 60s as he went, he worked for Laban for 21 years. Uh, Then he went back to the land of Israel. Jacob was born when he was about 99 years old. And Jacob was in the land of Egypt. Uh, It was somewhere around 12 or 13 years. And he was 130 when he went into the land of Egypt. And so you you add all of this up and uh, we have... Jacob being quite elderly as he was looking for his wife. And um, he stumbles upon this place. And and the, the picture that you and I get from him setting up these stones for his pillows, uh, how many of you uh, have a pillow? I mean, you're looking at like this big, something, you know, small that you would put your head on. Have you ever tried to sleep with your head on a stone? Uh, let me promise you, uh, this is something you can trust me on. That will be uncomfortable, all right? 
the idea here is the stones that he set up for his pillows were large enough for him to stretch his body out on. I mean, these were not little stones that you roll around. I mean, uh, there was protection there from the um, scorpions and other little creepy crawling things that crawled on the ground at night. And these pillows were large enough that he took one of them and set it up for a pillar and people noticed it. And so it wasn't just a little rock here. He had this vision. He had a dream at night. And God made some promises to Jacob. And and these promises were absolutely incredible. He reinstated what we call the Abrahamic covenant, the promises that God had made to Abraham. He here makes them to Jacob. And Jacob wakes up and he said, Surely the Lord, verse 16 of Exodus 28, Surely the Lord is in this place, and I knew it not. And he was afraid and said, How dreadful is this place. This is none other but the house of God, and this is the gate of heaven. And Jacob rose up early in the morning and took a stone that he had put for his pillows and set it up for a pillar and poured oil on top of it. And he called the name of that place Bethel. And so Jacob then makes some promises to God. Now let me ask you, who came out as the beneficiary there? I mean, God makes some promises to Jacob. And Jacob wakes up the next morning and sets up a stone, pours oil on and says, Now God, I'm going to promise you some things. If you'll do everything you said you would do and bring me back to this place, this marker that I've put in my life, In peace, I'll let you be my God. Now, aren't you glad that God's patient with us? Are are you not glad that God puts up with our foolishness? And that was the life of Jacob. And we're going to see him repeat this process several different times. And so Jacob sets up his first pillar here in verse 18. And then he he vowed a vow, if God will be with me and will keep me. Now, what did God just say he was going to do? He was going to be with him. He was going to keep him. God, if you'll do what you said, uh, this stone which I have set for a pillar shall be God's house. And of all that thou shalt give me, I will surely give the tenth unto thee. Now, the... Uh, standard definition of a sermon is three points, a poem, and a word on tithing. So we'll get that in right now. Uh, where did Jacob get this idea? It was just simply that was a way to honor God. By the way, Jacob didn't have the Ten Commandments and the law for Mount Sinai. That hadn't happened yet. Uh, that was going to be another several hundred years before that. And yet Jacob promised God, he said, surely I will give the tenth unto thee. And Jacob, uh, apparently, as far as we know, did keep that promise, though at a later time in his date. This was his first pillar. God appeared to Jacob. God gave Jacob some promises. Jacob sets up a marker in his life. And, you know, sometimes it doesn't hurt just to set up a few markers, to take some times. I've asked God on several occasions in my own life. I said, Lord, never let me forget this event. Let me come back and remember what you have done 
And so that it's just kind of a rallying point, a, a place where we can remember what God had done. And I am sure that as Jacob tra- uh, traveled up to Haran and began to work for his, uh, and he did not know at that point, but he made a deal with Laban. He said, I want you to be my father-in-law. And, and he had no idea all the things that would befall him. But I'll bet he came back here in his mind saying, God promised me that he would keep me. God promised me that he would bring me back. God promised as Laban would change his wages ten different times. And we go through the next two chapters here. And we come to chapter 31. And we want to look at the next time that Jacob set set up a pillar in his life. In verse 1, it says, And he heard the words of Laban's son, saying, Jacob hath taken away all that was our father's, and of all that which our father hath, he hath gotten all his glory. And Jacob beheld the countenance of Laban, and behold, it was not toward him as before. Verse 3, And the Lord said unto Jacob, Return unto the land of thy fathers and to thy kindred, and I will be with thee. So God came to Jacob and said, I want, it's time to return. He had been working for Laban now for 21 years. He calls his wife and his, his wives and his family together and gathers all of his possessions and he begins the journey unannounced. No permission from his father-in-law because there's some fear in his heart. And it's interesting, as we look through the life of Jacob, we'll find a lot of things that apply to us. Jacob, at the beginning of this, was a little bit afraid of what Laban might do if Jacob decided to go home. But later in this chapter, when he meets Jacob, he's not afraid. And yet, when he met Esau... He was so terribly afraid that he wrestled all night and sent all these gifts. Now, let me ask you a question. From whom did Jacob have the most to fear, Laban or Esau? It was Laban, my friend. Esau had forgotten what Jacob had done. That was just the kind of man Esau was. The Bible says he was profane. Nothing really mattered to Esau. When he met him, he said, Jacob, what's all this stuff you've given me? You don't need to do this. And they fell on each other's neck. Jacob had fallen on his brother's neck, not out of love or compassion. It was fear. And it was that relief knowing that I'm not going to die. I'm alive. My brother's not going to kill me. Yet he had an awful lot to fear from Laban. In fact, if God had not showed up and protected Jacob, as we'll read in this chapter, Jacob would have never made it all the way home. And so let's uh, look into the rest of this verse here. In verse 20 it says, And Jacob stole away unawares to Laban the Syrian, in that he told him not that he fled, so he fled with all that he had, and rose up early and passed over the river and set his face toward Mount Gilead. 
And it was told Laban on the third day that Jacob was fled, and he took his brethren with him and pursued after him seven days' journey, and they overtook him in Mount Gilead. And God came to Laban the Syrian in a dream by night and said unto him, Take heed that thou speak not to Jacob, either good or bad. Now we get down here and they had their conversation and of course Laban was concerned because his gods were missing and uh, people say, well, what was so important about that? Well, with those little images that Rachel had stolen came inheritance rights. Uh, They were like the family will and testament and all of these things were attached to that and so Laban was afraid that Jacob would come back sometime and show up to the elders of the land with these images and with and claim all that Laban had. That's why he was so concerned. At least that's what the people who are supposed to know these things tell us. And of course that tells you where Rachel's heart was now, doesn't it? That she was still wrapped up in the things that she possessed. If there was any way she could get any more, she was going to get it. And so she hid those images in her, uh, in the saddle of her camel. And Rachel at this time, now look at all the things that were going on. Rachel was with child. Joseph had already been born. This was Benjamin. Most of us know and understand what happened. When Benjamin was born, Rachel died. You're only with child for so long. All of these events were transpiring in the life of Jacob in a relatively short time. And we get down here to verse 44. It says, Thou therefore come thou and let us make a covenant, I and thou, and let it be for a witness between me and thee. And Jacob took a stone and set it up for a pillar. And so Jacob again sets up his second pillar here. Uh, I like to call this the pillar of protection. How many of you remember that silly little Mizpah necklace that you can get at CBD and all of those things? Does anybody remember that? It's got two halves. It's shaped like a heart. And it quotes this verse right here. In verse 49, in Mizpah, for he said, The Lord watch between me and thee when we are absent one from another. And some bright bulb took that verse completely out of context and they printed it on this little heart-shaped thing and cut it in half. And then she gets to wear half as a necklace and he gets to wear half as a necklace. Silly. Do you know what they were saying? The Lord watched between me and thee. Go down to verse 52, I think it is. Or, uh, verse four, let's start in verse 50. Let's get all the good stuff in. If thou shalt afflict my daughters, or if thou shalt take wives beside my daughters, no man is with us. See, God is witness betwixt me and thee. And verse 51, And Laban said to Jacob, Behold this heap, And behold, this pillar which I have cast betwixt me and thee, this heap be witness, and this pillar be witness, that I will not pass over this heap to thee, and that, that thou shalt not pass over this heap and this pillar unto me 
for, what's that last word there? For harm. Uh, somebody ought to write a nice letter to CBD and explain that when you put this verse on, what you're doing is saying, we're not going to hurt each other. Uh, we are sworn enemies. That's what Laban was saying. But I'm not going to come over this mark and you're not going to come over this mark to try to do harm one to another. Uh, and the Lord was supposed to watch between them. Uh, this is what we mean by taking scripture out of context, isn't it? Now, Jacob set up this pillar. And in this pillar, what he was doing, as Laban put a heap of stones beside it, and they sat there and they made their marks and they said, listen, regardless of what has happened in the past, we're, we're going to leave this marker here and I'm not coming over this way and you're not coming over that way. Uh, we're going to uh, promise each other that we're not going to try to hurt one another. Now, that's a pretty good promise between a son-in-law and his father-in-law. Amen. It's pretty sad that it gets that way. Uh, I'm glad my father-in-law is a good friend. Uh, that we don't have to worry about this kind of foolishness. But this is Jacob's second pillar he sets up. The first one, Jacob is promising God, if you'll do what you said, I'll let you be my God. The second one is, Laban, I won't go this way and you won't go that way and we'll protect each other by not trying to kill each other. Jacob's off to a really good start now, isn't he? Well, let's go down to chapter 35. It's interesting, Jacob didn't set up a pillar when he met Esau, did he? He wrestled with the angel, I believe the Lord Jesus Christ that night. Jacob was a marked man after that point in his life. He meets Esau and all of that is worked out. We get to chapter 35. God did not forget that first pillar that Jacob set up. Verse 1, And God said unto Jacob, Arise, go up to Bethel, and dwell there, and make there an altar unto God that appeared unto thee when thou fleddest from the face of Esau thy brother. We're looking at over 21 years from the first pillar. There was now a pillar in Mount Gilead. And we get down here, I believe it's to verse 14, yes, and Jacob set up a pillar in the place where he talked with him, even a pillar of stone, and poured a drink offering thereon, and he poured oil thereon, and Jacob called the name of the place where God spake with him, Bethel. And so we look here, Jacob returns to the place, but before he goes back, look with me in chapter, verses 2 and 3. And Jacob said unto all his household and to all that were with him, Put away the strange gods that are among you and be clean and change your garments and let us arise and go up to Bethel. And I will make there an altar unto God who answered me in the day of my distress and was with me in the way which I went. Verse 4 says that Jacob buried all those uh, false gods, strange gods, and earrings, and all of these things under the oak that was in Shechem. You know, Jacob knew something. If he was going to serve God, 
he's going to have to clean up his act. I wonder if Rachel finally gave up the teraphim here. The Bible doesn't tell us, but it does tell us that all the strange gods that were there were buried. Jacob demands purity. He sets up a pillar and he worships God. Jacob's going to set up one more pillar. Pillar of promise, pillar of protection, a pillar of purity. The next one is not so pleasant. Verse 16, it says, And they journeyed from Bethel and was there but a little way to come to Ephrath. And Rachel travailed, and she had hard labor. And it came to pass when she was in hard labor that the midwife said unto her, Fear not, thou shalt have this son also. And it came to pass as her soul was departing, for she died, that she called his name Ben-Anoi, son of my sorrow. But his father called him Benjamin, son of my right hand. And Rachel died and was buried in the way to Ephrath, which is Bethlehem. And Jacob set a pillar upon her grave, that is the pillar of Rachel's grave, unto this day. This is the last pillar that Jacob set up. Everything kind of worked out into peas, and so we call this the pillar of pain. How long had Rachel been struggling and Jacob been struggling with all of the issues of life and marriage It was all put to rest right here. But you know something? Jacob wasn't done struggling yet, was he? He would send his sons into Egypt. They would sell Joseph. And Joseph would take Simeon. And I want us just to skip to Genesis 34. Trying not to be too long tonight. 43, I'm sorry. Genesis 43. It is good on occasion to set up a pillar, to set up a remembrance of something that God has done, a point in your life. But I want to change this just a little bit, and I want us to look at something else. Just because... You make a major decision does not mean you've surrendered to the Lord. Here in Genesis 43 and verse 14, we finally find Jacob. They had already been to the land, to Egypt once. They were trying to go the second time. Finally, Judah argues with his father and says, You must send Benjamin, otherwise, we will not see the man that controls the land of Egypt. He said, I will be a surety for him. And finally, Jacob says, verse 11, And their father Israel said unto them, If it must be so now, do this. Take of the best fruits in the land in your vessels and carry down the manna present, a little balm and a little honey, spices and myrrh, nuts and almonds, And take double money in your hand, and the money that was brought again in the mouth of your sacks, carry it again in your hand. Peradventure it was an oversight. Take also your brethren, arise, and go again unto the man. Verse 14. And God Almighty give you mercy before the man, that he may send away your other brother and Benjamin. If I be bereaved of my children, I 
am bereaved. Can you feel the pain in those words as Jacob is giving instruction to his sons? But do you see the surrender? He finally gets to the point to where God is the one who's in charge. If God chooses to remove my children from me, I'm going to have to let God do what he wants. And Jacob had no way of knowing that in surrendering all of his children, he was going to get back the one he had lost. Jacob had two great points of surrender. And and we talk a lot about Jacob wrestling with the Lord that night. And finally, when he met his brother Esau, he was limping because of that encounter. But I'll tell you what, there was still a lot of Jacob left. It wasn't until he gets the whole way here. He's now 130 years old. He's only going to live another 17 years. And he finally surrenders to God. Could we just take a few moments? I just want to challenge you about something. God wants to do a work in each one of our lives. Amen. I mean, we know that. The Bible tells us. And there is nothing wrong with taking certain points. And you ought to set up a pillar in your life when you got saved. Praise God. You don't have to remember the date and the clothes you were wearing and the words you said and the sincerity factor and all of those things. All you have to do is know that you obeyed the words of this book called the Bible. Amen. If you did what the Bible said, you're saved. Remember that. Don't ever forget it. You ought to set up a pillar in your life as God brings you through different major trials and things. But just because you do that doesn't mean you're surrendered. That's the life of Jacob. Jacob was one of those guys that always had to do something. I mean, he just couldn't leave well enough alone. I know it, it, uh, uh, there, there are some people, you just got to do something. You got to say the last word. You just got, no, can you just let God? That's what finally happens here in Genesis 43. And, of course, the saddest part of this whole story is when Jacob finally stands before Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the world, and he's asked by Pharaoh to give a testimony of the goodness of God. What does he say? Few and evil have been the days of my pilgrimage. What a good testimony of God. I wonder what Pharaoh thought of the God of Israel with Jacob's Miserable testimony. And why was Jacob miserable? Because he spent his whole life thinking he was serving God when he was still trying to manipulate God to do things for Jacob. Let's short circuit that process, could we? And just surrender 
and let God do his work God's way and God will take care of the results. And all God's people said. Dear Heavenly Father, we come before you this night and we thank you for the life of Jacob. We thank you that we can see so clearly into his life and his motives and his thoughts. And Lord, my prayer is tonight that there would be not a one of us that would withhold ourselves from the Lord, that would try to manipulate things and would deceive ourselves into thinking that we're serving the Lord when we're actually struggling against many of the things He's commanded us in His Word. Lord, we ask that You would do Your work in our hearts, that we may serve You. And let's just keep our heads bowed for a moment. Maybe you'd like to add some of your own prayer to that. We'll just take a moment of silence here. No piano tonight. Just, if you'd like, slip out of your seat and come and pray at the altar. The altar is open. Take just a few moments and then we'll get into our prayer time.